This episode of the Grow From Your Heart podcast is brought to you by SeedsHereNow.com. With Crypto Wednesdays, James Bean's Vault, and Easy Peasy Credit Card Checkout, you cannot go wrong with SeedsHereNow.com. All right, welcome to the show, podcast world. I'm your host. My friends call me Rasta Jeff. This is episode 736 of the Grow From Your Heart podcast. In this episode, I'm going to focus on a couple of listener emails before I get to that part of the show. Let's do some shout outs to those great folks who continue to support the show on Patreon. Let's kick it off with a big Grow From Your Heart podcast thank you shout out to Elders Garden. Let's send a fist bump and a thank you shout out to Stone to Trout Bum in Growing Tennessee. Let's send a big fist bump and a thank you shout out to Jay Dutch. Let's send a thank you shout out to Effa Plant Count. Let's send a thank you shout out to Justice Smokin' and Godfather Kush. Let's send a thank you shout out to Noah N. I want to send a big fist bump and a thank you shout out to Shoe Trader 101. Let's send a thank you shout out to one of my favorite photographers, my buddy Anvil Gardens. Let's send a thank you shout out to Uncle Adam, the Uber driver. Then let's wrap it all up with a big Grow From Your Heart podcast thank you shout out to Indica Chris. Big thanks and big shout out to everybody who continues to support the show on Patreon. If you are not already supporting the show and you would like to learn how to do so, all you have to do is visit www.patreon.com forward slash grow from your heart. All of the information you need will be right there on the screen. And you know, I do include that link in the show notes and in the video description to make it nice and easy for all of my friends. All right. I don't want to ramble too long here at the start of the show. I have a nice stack of listener emails here in front of me. Let's jump right into it. This first message did come from the Grow Help tab on the Irie Genetics website. If you visit my website, irigenetics.com, there is a tab that says Grow Help. Simply click on that Grow Help tab. That will give you the opportunity to tell me about your grow and ask a few grow questions. I want to know uh, the relative humidity, the temperature of your grow. I want to know if you're growing indoors and outdoors. I want to know what kind of plants you're growing. Once you tell me that, I give you the opportunity to ask a question. Then I will do my best to use that info to answer your question. This one did come from our friend Mike, and it goes a lot like this. It says, Rasta Jeff, thanks for your response on the show about growing out mother plants. Yes, if you listened uh, to the previous episodes, I did talk about growing mother plants. We had a listener send an email and their mother plants were dying. They weren't uh, performing well when they would put them into flower. I gave some advice. This is a follow-up on that email. It says, what you said did make sense. I didn't think they were root bound because I trimmed the root ball and transplanted them from two to three gallon containers before flipping. So that may eliminate one opportunity why they were getting sad, but it says, the real question is I've grown out four different cultivars and only one of them just straight dies every time. Uh, I'm not sure why that's happening. I'm not sure. Uh, there are so many anomalies, so many variables here that I'm not exactly sure what's happening, but he does go on to say, because of low yields, I don't think I will waste time growing out the mothers anymore. That is a good idea. Unless you are uh, planning and prepping from the beginning to grow out those mothers, it may be best just to retire them, toss them, use them as clone donors, then set them to the side, trash them, put them in the compost bin. You don't have to use everything. That is something that... Um, I enjoy and I admire, I respect and appreciate the idea that people want to use everything that comes from their garden. I appreciate that, but it's not always 
uh, necessary. Sometimes you're going to spend more time, energy, money, uh, resources on trying to make something out of your waste than you could have just thrown it away and actually not spent that money. You're not going to get much out of it. It's, sometimes if you don't have anything to do, if you're just looking for something to do on Saturday, you want to figure out how to turn all this wasted leaf into a juice, that may be something to do. But most of the time, it is not worth it. Sometimes we got to bite the bullet and throw things away. Don't You don't have to use everything. I appreciate it and I respect it, but sometimes it's not worth your time, energy, effort. You end up spending more energy, more time, uh, buying more equipment, and then what you get isn't worth the output. You could have just gone to the dispensary possibly and bought that for a few bucks sometimes. Once again, you don't have to use everything. I do admire that you're trying to use those mother plants, but it may be time to put them in the compost bin and realize they have done what they needed to do for you. Thank you for the follow-up, bro. Um, it is crazy that you're up-potting them and they are still not acting right. Maybe uh, the up-pot is shocking them. There are so many variables that I just don't know what to tell you. Send me more info, send me more details, or it looks like you may have just given up on the idea altogether. Let's move forward. That's all we can do from here. This one says, Rasta Jeff, I have a quick question, if I may. You guys, I'm going to read this one because uh, we'll just read it and then we'll talk about it. It says, what would happen if I pollenized, and it does say pollenized, uh, the word is pollinated. What would happen if I pollenized a male plant with another male's pollen? Would it be F1s with trait from both males, just like a male and female breeding project? Um, I'm not even going to, then it says, cheers and kiss your mama. Then it says, if it's worth it, you can mention my name. I'm not going to mention your name, but thank you for the great message. I do want to uh, explain this. This is a good question, although this is a very, um, honestly, I'm not sure if I'm being trolled, to be quite honest with you, but I'm going to answer this like a serious question. You may be trolling me. This may be a real question. Uh, male plants cannot receive pollen. Male plants only give pollen. Female plants receive the pollen. So you could pollenize a male with another male all you want, and all you're going to get is a male plant with more pollen dusted on it. Nothing is going to happen except a pollinated mess. You're going to have a bunch of pollen. You're going to sneeze. You're going to need to clean up. Nothing will happen if you put male pollen from a male plant onto another male plant. Male plants cannot receive pollen. They don't have pistols. They don't have ovules. They don't have all the parts needed to make seeds. Uh, that is like two dudes rubbing wieners, two piles of semen, two piles of sperm. Doesn't make anything. You need an egg. You need a sperm to make that happen. Male, female, basic biology, basic breeding. That is how plants work as well. There are variables. We can do weird things with plants, but with two male plants, uh, we're just touching peepees and this isn't going to work. You're not going to do anything. This is a sword fight is all this is, my friend. Uh, it says, the reason for my question is I have two male plants from different strains and both have unique traits. And as a mad scientist, I like new weird projects. Um, I would pick one of those males and use it and throw the other one away. That would be my advice. Pick your favorite, use it, toss the other one, or use them separately. You do have to pollinate female plants. So maybe get a female plant, do one cycle of pollen from male A, do another run. It's got to be a totally separate run. You got to finish the plants, cut it down, dry it, cure it, then do a different plant, plant B, pollinate that with the same male and see what that male is offering to your mix. But the bottom line here is this is basic biology. Um, I'm really not sure if I'm being trolled. And if not, I apologize. I should be respectful to everybody. This could be a real question. Males do not receive pollen. Males give pollen. Females receive the pollen. The things you guys call hairs, uh, those are those are pistols. Those are what uh, actually receive the pollen, and that pollen will slide down that little hair uh, into more parts of the plant and make a seed. Without that part, the seeding cannot happen. So um, my friend, I hope I answered your question, and I hope um, I can encourage you 
to read some basic grow books and basic biology with all due respect because there's some basics, uh, some basic schooling that got skipped there, my dude. All right. Thank you for the great message. I'm going to keep going. Um, let's see. This next one says, uh, hey, Rasta Jeff. This one came from our friend Spaceman Spuff. Very unique name. It says, I just realized, okay, there's more. We're going to cut out some of this because this is a two-part message. It says, I forgot to mention that the 18 to 6 light cycle for the last 7 to 10 days, the flower does seem to work for me as far as bulking up plants. That is a great bit of feedback. I have talked about in a lot of previous episodes about putting our plants, our flowering plants under 18 hours of lighting at the end of flower, 18 on and 6 off. A lot of people think I'm absolutely freaking crazy for doing it. The people that have tried it have given me great praise, great feedback, and great thanks for giving them the information because they are all completely satisfied with the results of this new technique. So the last seven to 10, maybe 10 to 14 days of a flowering cycle, I will return my lights to an 18-6 cycle, 18 hours on, six hours off. That gives the plants more photons, more light energy. They do grow more quickly. They get beefy. They get bulky. They do ripen up quite quickly. I think I get more weight and faster when I do this. So our friend says, I forgot to mention the 18 to six light cycle for the last 10 days of flower does seem to work as both as far as bulking up my plants. I'm not sure it did much for one of my plants, but there was a noticeable bulking up on my other plant, especially on the top main cola. Yes, that's where you're going to notice it the most. It goes on. It says, I just want to know if going any longer than 10 days at 18.6 will cause any problems or cause reveg. Also, will this cause any problems with revegging? So we've got like a three-part question here, which is super great. He also included some pics. Dude, your plants look awesome. I think I replied and asked what strain that was because that top cola looked fucking beefy. Good work, dude. Even if that's not one of my crosses, you did a great job with that plant. It looks excellent. So let's talk about this. Our friend is running the 18.6 light cycle. Um, he is curious, um, if he wants to know if going longer than 10 days at 18, six will cause any problems or possible revegging the second, or maybe third part of the question is, will it mess up a reveg if they do intend to reveg going longer than 10 days, uh, maybe 14, maybe 15, maybe 16 days shouldn't be a problem. You will start to see signs of reveg before there are any problems. It will look like the buds are just getting little nubs at the tips. It'll look like little leaves are starting to come out. At the very first sign of that, I recommend to harvest. That will take probably a minimum of 14, maybe 16, 17 days before you will start seeing that. By then, by now, your plants should be done unless you started your 18-6 light cycle way too early, which is why sometimes I recommend to run the plants one time on a normal light cycle before we do this. Don't do this with a brand new plant. Like, I don't know. I've never dated this girl. I don't know what she likes normally. Now I don't know how to make things perfect. I never learned how to make it right. So I wouldn't do this the first time on a run with the plant. I would wait to do this the second, maybe the third run. But if you've done it on the first time and you found that you're going to take a little bit longer to flower, just pay attention to those buds. They may start developing a little, it looks like a foxtail. It looks like the tip is starting to put out more leaves. That is your first sign of reveg. You can chop immediately. You won't have any problems. The trichomes may not be where you want them to be, but you can harvest at this point. Revegging doesn't happen like instantly, like overnight. You see it start to pop up on a couple of buds, probably smaller buds toward the bottom. You'll see it start to happen and then you'll say, oh shit, they're going to reveg. You can cut everything down at that time. It will not be a problem. The buds may not look it completely perfect, but you'll see it before it is problematic and then just cut down. Now, if the plants aren't ready by that point, they should be because they've been under 18.6 for 10, 14, 16, 17, maybe 20 days at this point. And now they are definitely going to start finishing more quickly. So 
Um, the first part of the question was, will 18.6 cause problems? Um, I don't think so. Um, only if you go for too long. And then it says, will it cause or revegging? That is the only problem I assume you may run into. And that is if you go for extremely too long. The third part of this question is, will it cause any problems with the reveg cycle? No, this will actually encourage and increase the success of your revegging cycle. Think about it now. We are already starting the reveg process 10 to 14 days before we harvest. The plant is already being told some weird shit's going on. Our light cycle changed. We may need to make some adjustments. The hormones will start shifting. It'll start making differences within its uh, within within the plant. The, the plants will change in the plant. It'll show you about 10 or 14 days later. Then what we don't cut down, if we leave that, that plant has already technically been in reveg, the start of reveg for two weeks. You will get your reveg success much more quickly than most of your other reveg attempts. So I think it will increase the luck of your reveg. I think it'll make your plants bulkier. And I do not think you will run into any problems unless, of course, you started this way too early. All right. My friend, Spaceman Spuff, I want to thank you for the great question. If you've got any follow-ups, you do know how to reach me. Of course, the email address is heart at hotmail.com. Don't be shy. Send me those messages. All right, I do have another one here in front of me. All right, after shuffling through these papers, I did find the message I am looking for. This one comes from our friend Michael. We're not going to read Michael's full name. Big up to my buddy Michael. Thank you for the great question. It goes a lot like this. It says, I just wanted to start by saying I've been listening and supporting for a hot minute. My name is Michael. I'm just a flower grower in a illegal state. Got a lot of genetics I want to run, and I have a bunch to run, but I don't have the time to run, clone, and sex all of them. What would you do? That is a great, uh, good question right there. It says, I've built a hella grow, started. Okay, he talks a lot about his grow, which we don't need to talk too much about right now. But the question is, uh, our friend has, let's see, what's the word here? I have a bunch to run and I don't have time to run them, clone them and sex them all. What would you do? I definitely, as a seed breeder, maybe a seed hoarder, definitely a seed collector, I may understand this problem of having a lot of seeds and not having the... Uh, time, space, energy, fucking resources, basically the space and honestly the legal capacity to run as many numbers as I would like to run. If it were up to me, I'd be running uh, 500 small plants at a time that wouldn't take up very much room, but legally I cannot do that. I'm limited to 12 here in the state of Colorado. So uh, what would I do? That's a very good question. What would I do if I wanted to grow a bunch of stuff out, uh, find the keepers, find the winners and see what I've got? That's a really good question. It's kind of all about your goal. I say that quite often. Anything in growing is about your goal. What's your goal? Do you want to build a big stable of keepers? Do you want to find uh, just a few mommies for yourself? Are you looking to fill a greenhouse or a commercial grow with a stable for a medical supply so that you can have a bunch of strains on a shelf? Are you looking to become a breeder? What are your goals? Are you growing for you? Are you growing for patients? Are you growing for the market? Uh, what are you growing for? That is going to be the first question here. How many moms do you need? How many different varietals do you actually need around? Why do you need so many? That's things. I just ask questions because that makes you think, and then you can answer your own question for yourself and maybe figure things out without me getting too involved. But um, always have a goal. What are you trying to do? What are you looking for? Are you trying to find keepers? Are you just trying to see what you made? Again, I'm not sure what the ultimate goal here is, but what would I do? I would set a goal. I would know what I'm looking for. Then I would pop seeds. Uh, depending on the numbers of plants which you are allowed to have, that would dictate how many seeds I pop. If it were unlimited, I would pop as many as I could possibly manage. 
Um, I would do hundreds, 500. I, li- I would like to do 500 seeds if I possibly could. I don't know your uh, environment, your situation, your setup. I don't know how brave you are. I don't know if you want to follow the law. I don't know if you want to break the law. I can't encourage or promote you to do anything like that. But if it were up to me, I would run a bunch of small, small plants. Um, there are several ways to do it. I would run, let's say I would get a tray. I've got a tray that uh, fits Um, When I was working the commercial grows, these little trays I would buy would hold 25, 24 plants perfectly. So four of those trays was basically 100 plants, uh, 100 cups. I could put beer cups in there. So now I could grow 100 beer cups under one small light, and I can see a lot of stuff from a seed line. If you run 100 seeds from a line of seeds, you will definitely see a lot of expression in that batch of seeds. First of all, you're going to cull about 50 of them. So there's two trays that are gone right away. Now we're down to 48 plants. Um, now I'm down to my females because we're going to eliminate the males. Now we're going to start seeing the dominant phenotypes, which phenotypes really express themselves. You'll see the keepers, the not keepers. You'll see the traits. Uh, you'll see if there are any sex traits or inter- any intersex traits, any hermaphroditic traits, any weirdos, any mutants, any anomalies, any standouts, any anything that you do notice, anything you do love, anything you do hate. You're going to notice that within a hundred seeds that will, you'll definitely notice that. So I would run a hundred of them. Then, uh, keep an eye, take notes, number them, label all of them. Then when you're done, uh, don't harvest everything, leave enough there to where you can reveg your favorite one. Also, if you're, if you've got that many seeds and you see something in a pack of a hundred, you're probably going to be able to find it again as the breeder, uh, as the person that made that pack, you could probably identify that one again in the future and be able to find that keeper. If you found one in a hundred, It is there again. That's not going to be super rare. You can find that. So I would pop a bunch of seeds. I would hunt through those seeds. I would find the keeper. Then I would re-veg that keeper. Then I would pop another hundred seeds. Then I would do it all over again. I would keep doing this until I found the amount of plants which I needed to fill my stable. Here in Colorado, I'm allowed 12 plants. I guess I'd work on finding like four or five great mom plants and then start growing those out. Then every so often, I'd run another pack of seeds. And then once you've decided your number of mother plants, we'll say five. Let's, we've got five good mom plants. Right now you run another pack of seeds. If one of those seeds is better than the five you've got, call the worst one of your five keepers and replace it with that new girl. Then you've got the five best all the time. So I would pop seeds. I would hunt them. I would repeat and I would build a catalog. I would do a bunch of small plants because that way you don't have to worry about cloning. Uh, very small plants that you can re-veg. I talk a lot about re-vegging. Uh, it's very easy to do, and it saves you all that time and space of cloning. Every time you clone, you basically double your plant count. You double your workload. I do understand. So uh, if you've got an unlimited plant count, I would do a bunch of tester runs in cups. That's how I do my testers. Honestly, I do them in cups. I veg them until they're a few inches tall, depending on the strain, depending on the structure of the plant. Then I flip it. Uh, They flower for 70 days and we know what we've got. At the end of 70 days, I cut them down, leave a little bit on the bottom, re-veg them. If I want to run it again, I've got that plant for future use. Now, one thing I want to talk about is um, it's really fun to run through a shit ton of seeds. Don't get me wrong. I love, I just said I love to run through 500 seeds. That's a good time. You get to take a lot of notes. You get to see a lot of expressions. You get to learn a lot of shit about the plants that you have made, but That's also like going on 500 dates. How are you going to remember anything? How are you going to know if you're really interested in anything? Because you got 499 others distracting you to think about. There's a lot of data. That's a lot of info. My advice may be, one of the options may be to pick your favorite batch of seeds. What's getting your attention the most? Somebody out of all of the seeds you've got is saying, grow me. And you know which one it is. You don't even have to think about it. There's a pack that you've been going, I should grow that. 
grab that pack, grow that pack, grow all of the phenotypes out of there to the best of your ability, grow as many as you can, then narrow it down to about five of your favorite females out of that big population. Now you got the best five, grow those again. When you grow those again, narrow it down to your favorite two or three. Now it's going to get harder the next time. Now narrow it down to your favorite one or two. How about instead of running 500 plants and trying to find a bunch of keepers, why don't we run 50, 100 and find the one keeper? Really focus on some plants. Build a relationship with these plants. It's fun to grow a lot of shit, but how do you know that that plant that you're working with is reaching its potential and showing you what it could really do if you're messing with 500 total plants? It's like dating. If you got seven dates, you're not going to know which girl was into strawberry ice cream, which girl was into vanilla ice cream. You're going to have to guess. You're going to like, oh shit, you got to take notes. You don't build any real relationship. If you focus on one plant, one person, you'll learn all the details, all the anomalies, all the ticks, all the things that makes that plant shine, all the things that make that plant angry. You'll learn that. Around week five, if I give it a nice boost of potassium, it really goes crazy. You'll learn that if I over give it too much CalMag around week seven, it'll go fucking crazy. You'll start to learn all these nuances of the plant. If you develop a relationship with one cut and run it multiple times over and over again, I know that doesn't sound as exciting as running a bunch of seeds, but imagine what you can do once you get one plant really dialed in. The first time you grow it, it'll be good. But we're running 500 plants in the same environment, same conditions. They don't have a solid chance to show us what they can really do. We need to take a couple of plants and learn them. Like I said a moment ago, maybe it wants something special at week six. Maybe it doesn't want something at week six. Maybe if you make it colder at week seven, it'll do something. Maybe if you make it really hot at week nine, it does something different. We've got to learn these things about the plants. And the only way we learn that is by growing them over and over again and seeing how they react to different uh, environments and different, and different stressors, different feedings, different things. Uh, I like to try little different things every time I grow because I've got a good grasp on growing. I know what my plants are going to do. What if? What if I get it real, real cold in here this season? What if I get it real, real hot in here this season? What if I forget to water the plants? Let's just see what happens. Experiments, uh, that's where you learn the most. And then if you grow that plant several times throughout the year, like I just said, maybe it gets real hot, maybe it gets real cold. I'm in Colorado. This summer, it's going to hit like 112, 115 degrees. In the winter, it gets to negative 17 degrees. I do my best to keep my grow spaces dialed in and evened out, but I'm fucking not there all the time. Shit goes wrong. Sometimes it gets a little bit cold in the grow rooms. Sometimes it gets a little bit hotter in the grow rooms. I notice differences in the performance of different plants based on these anomalies in the grow room, which I fail to control because of my outside environmental factors. Sometimes, honestly, it's so cold outside, I can't warm the grow room to be 80 degrees. I can only get it to 70. Sometimes it's so hot outside, I can't cool the grow room down to 74. I can only get it to 80 because it's so hot. That's when I really do see different expressions from some of these plants. Also different light cycles, different feed cycles, then different defoliation methods, maybe not defoliating, maybe do or maybe do not pop it and twist it. All these different things do make a difference to the plant. So I love the idea that you want to run through a bunch of shit and find all the keepers, but also maybe you're missing something by going so quickly through so many numbers and not spending time on that one plant. Maybe that one right there that you keep looking over because you got 499 others, maybe that one is the next fucking golden chem gorilla cookie biscuit biscotti. What's the diesel Kush? I'm trying to name all the popular shit, but 
uh, the piff, whatever else is popular, cake stuff. Maybe it's a new popular one and you don't even know it because you haven't taken the time to dial it in and perfect it. So dial in each cultivar before you pass them on. Of course, if that strain sucks completely the first time you grow it, you could tell. As an experienced grower, as a pheno hunter, you could tell when something straight up sucks. But if you think it's a seven on the first time you run it and you're looking for nines and tens, give it another run. Maybe you did something wrong. You can bring out the potential of that plant. So what would I do? I would run a whole fucking bunch of plants or I would slow my ass down and just run a few with the space and resources I've got. Keep yourself legal. Keep yourself safe. Keep yourself sane. Also, keep yourself a bunch of notes. All right, my friend, I think I rambled on for quite a while about that message. I think I covered all of the details. Um, it also goes on. It says, um, uh, I want to get to know you better through the servers. Thanks, bro. I do appreciate that. Guys, I should add a disclaimer right now. We did some changes to the Discord servers, and if you cannot find the new updated Discord server, I will add a link to my website. There will be a link on my website, iregenetics.com. There will be a link to the new Discord server. That will get you to the new updated Discord. I do apologize. We had to make some changes, do some new things. The old server uh, was having some tech issues. Those issues are now wiped away because there's a brand new server. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys, girls, pimps, hoes, friends, foes, smokers, growers, clone cutters, pollen chuckers, all of you amazing cannabis enthusiasts out there. I do want to thank you once again for listening to another episode of the Grow From Your Heart podcast. If you feel like this episode was educational, informative, entertaining, maybe you just like to send me a couple of bucks to help me out because I entertained you. All you've got to do is check out patreon.com forward slash grow from your heart. All of the information you need will be right there on the screen. I will be putting out more Patreon content. Yes, I do have some Patreon stuff planned, some Patreon exclusive episodes. Do make sure to sign up for Patreon so you do not miss that content. If you have any questions, corrections, comments, or concerns, you know that I would love to hear from you. The email address is hotmail.com. Don't be shy. Anything else you may need will be on the website at iregenetics.com. There's a grow help tab there. There's a discord link there. There's a merch link there. There's a seed vendor link there. Uh, there's a grow help tab. Anything you can imagine will be there. If it is not there, send me a message. I will add it to the website. Let's get it going. Let's work together. Big shout out to the Irie Army for all of the continued support. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys, girls, I am rambly. It is time to wrap up this episode. You know, I'll be back in a couple of days with fresh new content. I want to give a big shout out to my buddy, Rosin Ryan. And until next time, take a fat dab and give your mom a hug for me. Mm-hmm.